This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Do you have any regrets? About what? About everything that happened. Nobody's ever asked me. Uh, really, Really, really asked me. Do you have any remorse about what happened, even though it was self-defense? Sure, I have remorse every day. And I thought about this several times a day, every day for 32 years. You know, I wish it hadn't have happened. For 32 years, Carl Wayne Bunchen waited, as did the family of Houston police officer James Irby. In April, the waiting finally came to an end. I think we're both uh, really just ready to close the chapter on this part of our lives. We're both just ready to finally have, not have it hanging over our family's head. We, yes. we want to be able to finally move on. And it's, like I said earlier, it's not about revenge. It's not about anything like that. It's just finally being able to move on from this thing that has affected my whole life. And, you know, most of my mothers and my brothers We're just, we need closure and a release. In June of 1990, James Irby was just 37 years old. He was a husband and father with two children under the age of four, a son, Cody, and a daughter, Callie. And at 37 years old, Irby was already making plans to retire after 17 years with the Houston Police Department. Earlier this year, KHOU Channel 11 reporter Grace White sat down with Irby's widow, Maura Irby. Tell us about Jim. <laughs> uh, it's such a cliche, but the love of my life. We we were just crazy about each other. Uh, obviously, we had two children and five years. Uh, if we weren't working, we were together. We were rodeoing or taking the kids to the zoo. He was my hero. He helped me through some rough times, and we built a great life, and we had lots of plans. He was nearly 20 years with HPD and was planning to retire and open a feed store and pretty much be a stay-at-home dad. Maura Irby remembers the last time she saw her husband on the morning of June 27, 1990. That morning, um, he had he'd come in late the night before off of a dignitary escort. President Bush was in and out of town at that point in time. And the kids wanted to kiss him goodbye, and I didn't want him to wake him up. So they just gave Daddy actually butterfly kisses. <laughs> um, and I didn't really get a chance to kiss him. I was trying to hustle them out and not wake him. So that was the last time. And then Suzanne Simpson, who lived nearby, was another solo officer's wife came knocking at the door and asked me if something was wrong with my phone. And I said, no. And she said, well, Jim's been hurt. He's at Bentob. Nobody wanted me to see him, but it wasn't really going to be real unless I did. And so they had him in a room and His head was wrapped and his chest was all wrapped in bandages and 
I pulled those aside, and I could see the hole in his forehead and the way he'd blown out his chest. James Irby wouldn't survive his injuries. Earlier that day, after leaving Mara and his two children at home, he'd made a traffic stop near I-45 on the north side of Houston. It was a traffic stop in 1990 where Carl Bunchen was the passenger in a car and HPD officer James Irby pulled him over for a traffic stop. And he gets off of his motorcycle, approaches the car, and Bunchen gets out of the passenger side of the car and shoots. He falls to the ground, Bunchen shoots him twice more, then goes on a shooting spree in the neighborhood before he's eventually arrested. There were witnesses, and Carl Bunchen's defense has always been that it was self-defense. But a witness said this officer never pulled out his gun. But even if he had, he certainly had the grounds to being a Houston police officer during a traffic stop. Carl Bunchen had an extensive criminal history. He was out on parole when he shot and killed Officer James Irby. So the big headline that came out of this case is Bunchen was on parole at the time. So he was a career criminal who had spent most of his adult life in prison. And he was out on parole for sexual assault of a child when he shot and killed Officer Irby. So a lot of people were upset after that, wondering, you know, um, why he was allowed out and continuing to be a danger to society. They had already, those two men in the car, had already been paroled. They were out on parole for about six weeks and had failed to report to a halfway house within 24 hours. But the blue warrant, the paper that stated that they were in violation of their parole, wasn't signed until the day after Jim was killed. Bunchen has a, had a criminal record and he'd been out on parole, I believe, for just a few weeks when he killed Officer Irby. And it, and it raises the question again about whether or not people with criminal histories can be allowed back out on the street. I mean, this is something we're, we're arguing about now. And that was the occasion back then. Your thoughts? Uh, this is a horrible offense, and, um, you know, there's no question that the facts here are, are not in his favor regarding any self-defense issues. But, you know, bond is something that people should be entitled to in certain cases. Certainly in this county, what we're seeing is a lot of bonds being set in violent cases, in capital murder cases. And I think everybody on both sides of the bar agrees that that's unusual and probably not appropriate in many of these cases, given the violent nature of the allegations that's before these judges. But ultimately, Bunchen's self-defense claim didn't hold up in court. On January 24th, 1991, less than a year after Irby's murder, Bunchen was sentenced to death. But Bunchen, nevertheless, was convicted for capital murder in 1991 and then sentenced to death. The jury decided he should die and pay the ultimate price in Texas for this crime. When you got to the first trial... What was that like to go through that? Oh, agonizing, terrifying. I wasn't really in favor of the death penalty at that point in time. I've spent most of my adult life working to try and save lives and keep people alive. But the only alternative, because there was no life without parole at that point in time was 
that he would be eligible for parole in about 10 years. And that was just unacceptable. Bunchen was sentenced to death, but he continued to argue that the instructions the trial court provided to jurors didn't give them a means by which they could consider mitigating evidence. In 2009, 18 years after his conviction, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals agreed the jury received an improper instruction when it decided Bunchen should be put to death. His death sentence was vacated, and Carl Wayne Bunchen was granted a new punishment phase of his trial. An appeals court ruled that he should get a retrial just of the punishment phase. They heard his appeal that juries didn't get to hear about his abusive childhood during the original sentencing phase. Grace White asked Irby's daughter, Callie, who was just one at the time of his death, what it was like to be there in the courtroom with Bunchen more than two decades after the murder of her father. You no longer were a baby, you were an adult. What was that like to stand beside your mom and go through that resentencing phase? Because I was so young when when he died, it it wasn't really real for me, I, I guess. It was real in the fact that I didn't I didn't have my father. I didn't have a, a father to, you know, spend Father's Days with or go to father's daughter dances with or, you know, I'd always thought about the fact of who's gonna walk me down the aisle, you know, when I when when I end up getting married. Um but then when we went through the trial, it made it all so much more real, so much more, you know, um painful because I, you know, saw all the evidence and I testified with a bunch in there. When the jury returned another death sentence, were you relieved? I was. We were. (laughs) But he did appeal over the years. Um, Various times, his attorneys trying to argue that he was no longer a danger to society, that he was the oldest person on Texas death row, and that it was cruel and unusual punishment to go through with the execution. And for another decade, Carl Wayne Bunchen remained on death row, filing appeals and waiting, eventually becoming the oldest person on Texas's death row at the age of 78. Joining us now, KHU 11 legal analyst, Carmen Rowe. And Carmen, why did it take so long for this execution to take place? So Lynn, like any death penalty case, it goes through a long legal battle after death is assessed. But this case is unique because the law in Texas changed after Buncham was sentenced to death. And that law change required juries to consider mitigation evidence before assessing a death sentence. And in this case, there was no question that Buncham's childhood was traumatic and marked by abuse. Bunchen's attorneys argued as of late that he was no longer a threat to society, partly because of his age. Uh, the courts didn't see it that way. Have you ever heard that argument before? No, Lynn, I haven't. And neither has the Fifth Circuit, who made clear that, one, there's no legal basis for this claim. Two, it was untimely, and it should have been raised in front of the jury who assessed death. And finally, dealing with his future dangerousness, they said it's not a certainty, it's a probability, one that was weighed by a jury, and ultimately they made the determination that he was a future danger in this society, and so they gave him the death penalty as a result. You talked about uh, these death penalty cases sometimes dragging on in the courts, and in fact, an appeals court vacated his death penalty in 2009. Do you know what the reasoning was for that? 
Yeah, so it was because of this law change. So in 2009, a jury convicted him and a jury assessed the death penalty, but they didn't consider that mitigation evidence dealing with his childhood and whatnot. And so in 2012, he was then presented to another jury that found him guilty. And that second jury, after considering all the mitigation evidence, again, assess the death penalty in this case. Time now for your top four at 4.30. An execution date has been set for a man convicted of killing a Houston police officer more than 30 years ago. Carl Bunchen shot and killed... In January of this year, Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg announced Bunchen's execution date would be April 21st, 2022. On April 6th, Bunchen's attorneys filed an appeal in federal court attempting to stop the execution with two key arguments, citing cruel and unusual punishment and equal civil and legal rights. The appeal was denied, and in the days leading up to his execution, Grace White sat down with Bunchen on death row. He was 78 years old, and we interviewed him on death row, and he talked about aging and the effect that death row has had on him. The most interesting thing to come out of our death row interview was that Bunchen did express remorse. The widow was surprised by that. She said it was the first time she'd really heard a documented case of him expressing remorse. What do you want to say, Carl, to the family of that officer, the family of James Irby? I'm sorry it happened. Uh, if, I, if, I could, if I could change it, I would, but I can't. And... I know that leaving a young wife with kids, I mean, I mean like, it, 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 it's hard on her. And, well, it, it's been hard on me for 32 years, too. But you also have to consider that he still stood by his self-defense stance that he's been saying all these years. So you can still remember that day? <laughs> yes. I can remember everything that happened that day, yeah. Why did you shoot Officer Irby? Why? Because he was fixing to kill me. When I pulled my gun, it was in self-defense. I don't have nothing against cops. I want cops to protect me, just like they do everybody else. I did not carry a gun to protect myself against cops. But the crowd that I ran with, that's why, that's why I carried a gun, because most of them carried a gun, you know. And it was just to protect myself against them. I don't, I've never had nothing against cops. I know they got a job to do, and I don't have a hard feelings with cops. Why did you have a gun on you that day? For self-protection, because the people that I deal with, the, the people that, like, Pimps and gangsters and uh, uh, thieves, burglars and shoplifters and, and I mean, that's that's the element that I grew up in, and that's not the first time I've carried a gun. I've carried a gun all my life ever since I was about 16 years old, but it, it was it was never I never never carried a gun to, to have a shootout with the police. That was it was for it was for my own protection against the people that I that I dealt with every day. My environment.
I did find him very um, easy to understand, easy to converse back and forth with. We spoke for about an hour. He answered my questions and he was able to recall that day. I asked him how often he thinks about it. He says he thinks about the case every day. He spoke directly to the officer's widow, um, expressing that remorse and speaking about her children and telling me that he realized he took a father away from his kids, the the children of Officer Irby were three and one years old at the time. So it was certainly something that he was still able to discuss, to tell me about in detail, and to reflect on. How often do you think about that day? Every day. Many times a day. You know, I wish it, I wish it had never happened, you know, and it's something, it's something I can't change, you know. That day, when I took that gun with me that day to go to the radiator shop, I had no intentions of using it on anybody. It was just another normal day to me. How do you plan to spend your, your final days? Well, just like I do every day, I'll read my Bible and I'll read other books I like to read. And I'm too old to go out. Uh, they, they let the other inmates go out to recreation one hour a day and they got what they call the yard they can go out there for one hour unless it's raining and but i'm too old i've got a pinched nerve pinched nerve in my leg and i can't go to the day room and walk around because i can't stand up that long and i have to use the uh to take a shower, I have to use, they, they've got a medical shower, a, a handicap shower that's got rails on the side and in a place where you can sit down, you know, because I can't stand up on two legs. I'm, and, and I'm really, physically, I'm in, I have bad kidneys. But after 32 years, Mara Irby finally got the call that James Irby's appeals had been exhausted. His execution date was set. We really were caught off guard by the decision to execute Benjamin. Uh, after nearly 32 years, we just figured he was just gonna die of old age. Um, but we're moving towards it and we'll move through it as a family. They themselves wrestled with the death penalty. Mara Irby, the widow, said she was a nurse who spent her life saving lives and to think about somebody losing their life was was difficult for her. She told us at the time before the execution, she wasn't sure she could witness it. She ultimately did. She was one of the witnesses there that day, but she said it was a difficult, um, difficult thing for their family to walk through, but that they had each other. They have a lot of support. Uh, her children were with her in Huntsville for the execution, standing by her side. Their son chose to witness it. Their daughter was outside with dozens of officers who showed up in support of the family. So she talked about um, the support and really having that encouragement and the support around them, helping them get through this. Why is it important for you to be there uh, for the execution? First of all, I truly believe that this will give my family closure oh, the end of that chapter of our lives. Uh, 
I don't yet know for sure if I'm actually going to be able to stand there and view him dying or if I'm just going to be in the family room, but I have to represent him. And I want our grandsons to know that we represented their grandfather and that we saw this last chapter to the very end. Officer James Irby was killed in the line of duty back in 1990, and today his killer is set to be executed. On the afternoon of April 21st, Grace White arrived at the state penitentiary in Huntsville, Texas. So you arrive in the afternoon and they hold media across the street in the administration building. And then once six o'clock comes, which is the time the, the death warrant is active and all the legal hurdles have been cleared, they walk the media across the street, which usually is an uneventful walk. There's protesters generally outside, maybe a handful. But this time, not only were there the, the, the protesters that are always there, but there were also dozens of police officers, retired officers, law enforcement, people who had worked with Officer James Irby. And so that was very significant to walk across the street, walking into the execution chamber and hearing them rev their motorcycle engines. Irby was a motorcycle officer on HPD's um, force. And so a lot of people that knew him were also motorcycle officers. His partner was there. The Houston police chief was there. The district attorney from Harris County was there. So there were a lot of people that normally um, there's not those crowds outside of the uh, the unit, but there there were this time for this particular case. So we walk in and there's there's two viewing rooms. One is for the victim's family. One is for the person being executed. They're both allowed supporters family and friends. Inside the execution chamber, Bunchen was joined by a spiritual advisor praying alongside him. This is something new, now being allowed after the Supreme Court recently ruled that a prisoner is allowed to have a spiritual advisor in the room. This was the first execution in which an inmate's spiritual advisor was allowed to touch and pray during the execution, and there were no issues that took place with that. So that was the first person that spoke, the spiritual advisor, when we were in the viewing room. When the execution began, you heard the spiritual advisor praying for almost five minutes before the final statement. And you never know how the final statements are going to go. Sometimes the person being executed says nothing. Sometimes they say a sentence. Carl Bunchen said a lot. He also spoke for almost five minutes, expressing remorse, talking directly to the widow and to the children of officers. Officer James Irby, and he also said that he found Jesus behind bars and said he would see them in heaven and greet them with a hug. And that went on for several minutes. And then once he said to the warden that he was ready, the next voice we heard and the final voice we heard was the spiritual advisor, again, holding a Bible in his hand, reciting Psalm 23 and placing his hand on Carl Bunchen's ankle during the execution as those lethal drugs are being administered. And again, the process takes about 15 minutes and we heard Bunchen recite a few verses and then he goes quiet. A lethal dose of pentobarbital was administered and 13 minutes later, he was pronounced deceased at 6.39. So once the process was finished, we walked back outside. And traditionally, there is a press conference. The prison system will give the official time of death, will explain how the process was conducted. But this time, it was a lot longer of a press conference. The widow did decide to speak. She was surrounded by her children. I felt like I took the 
deepest breath I've been able to in the last 32 years. I feel joy. I'm sorry that someone died, but I didn't think of him as a person. I just thought of him as a thing, as a cancer. The police chief spoke, the district attorney spoke. It was really a significant moment for them to close this chapter of their life, an emotional chapter and one they've lived three decades. Here in Huntsville, the silence spoke volumes. Family and friends, supporters for each side creating a clash some 30 years in the making. A one-way street separating two groups with various views and opinions. On this side, HPD, along with motorcyclists and other supporters for James Irby's family. We will forever stand by our survivor family. Irby was on the force for 18 years. Gary Blankenship was one of his partners. I've gone through 32 years, two trials with the family, watched the kids grow up. Jim and I had kids the same time, and our families were close, and it's just uh, finally there's a little closure here. Closure for one side meant more pain for the other. This is video of one of Bunchen's friends that witnessed his final moments. She was seen making obscene gestures in the direction of police and Irby supporters. The criminal here is the state of Texas. Gloria Rubach with the Texas Death Penalty Abolition Movement drove from Houston. I'm here because I oppose every single execution in the state of Texas. Her point of view? Why do we kill people to show that killing people is wrong? To that, here's Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg. Carl Bunchen was a career criminal when he graduated into sex offending and became a child rapist. After that, he became a cold-blooded executioner. God rest the soul of James Irby. There was no shootout. There was a murder of an officer in full uniform in the line of duty. Death row is, is a difficult place. You have lots of people impacted by these cases, and certainly death row is the culmination of that. You have the victim's family who's lived this case, obviously dealing with the loss of a loved one, but you also have the person being executed. They have supporters, they have family and friends, and so you have these two um, groups that are really coming together to to witness something that is is really hard for, for everyone involved. And so here we are tonight, uh, the death of Carl Wayne Bunchen, 32 years. In your, your time as, as a lawyer, do you recall when somebody's been on death row this long? Never. I mean, generally, I know the average that you gave was 11 years. I mean, generally, uh, prior to 1990, I think most individuals sat on death row for about 20 years. But 30 years is a really long time. And there's other cases that were also retried because of this change in the law in Texas. And those individuals did not stay on death row as long as Bunchen. And so this case is really unusual because we see this elderly gentleman who doesn't look like a future danger, who looks like someone who we could send home. But that's just not the way that the law works in Texas as we deal with the death penalty after a jury has assessed that death is appropriate in the case for all of the reasons that they're charged in the jury charge. I wish like hell it never had happened. If, if, if that was Miss Irby sitting right there, I'd tell her the same thing. I'm, 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 I'm sorry it happened. My, my heart aches every day for her and, her and her kids. So maybe my execution will set her mind at ease a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I can't bring their dad back, but maybe, maybe by me being executed, may, maybe they could finally put this thing behind them, you know, and look to, and look to the future.
Hey, True Crime Chronicles listeners, Reed Redmond joining Will to close out this episode, as always. Will, as we heard, Carl Wayne Bunchen spent more than three decades on death row, and it's actually that length of time that ended up being one of the reasons his attorneys argued he shouldn't be executed. Can you explain that argument a bit more? Well, you're right. He he spent decades behind bars on death row, and in fact, according to his attorneys, often spent 23 hours a day in a cell by himself during that time. So Carl Bunchen's attorneys said he'd been on death row for so long that it really undermined the rationale for the death penalty, and that's what they basically expressed in their, their final appeal. They wrote, quote, because of the excessively long time he's been incarcerated under a sentence of death and held in solitary confinement, most of which was due to the state's errors, executing Bunchen would not serve the purpose of either retribution or deterrence, end quote. In addition, his attorneys argued that the jury, in the first case, sentenced him to death because they deemed him a future danger to society, even behind bars. But his attorneys said that was really proven false over the years by his behavior in prison. They went on to write, during the 31 years Bunchen has been incarcerated under a sentence of death, he's been cited for only three disciplinary infractions, and he's not been cited for any infraction at all since the 2012 jury found he would probably commit violent acts in the future, end quote. But as we know, the appeal was denied and Carl Bunchen's execution went ahead as scheduled. We also heard some details about what actually went on inside the execution chamber about how a spiritual advisor was there in the room with Bunchen when he was executed, praying and actually touching his feet. And you you did mention that this was the first time that was allowed in Texas during an execution. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Supreme Court ruling that allowed for that spiritual advisor to be there? Yeah, an inmate in Texas had filed a lawsuit that eventually made its way all the way to the Supreme Court. His name is John Ramirez, a Texas death row prisoner. And he and his attorneys went to the United States Supreme Court after this went through the Texas legal system and it was denied. But he was requesting for his execution to be stayed, arguing that the state's refusal to allow a spiritual advisor, or in his case, a pastor, to pray out loud with him and lay hands on him during the execution violated federal law and his First Amendment right to free exercise of religion. So back in May, the Supreme Court ruled on this and decided that Texas has to allow them to lay their hands on the inmate and pray. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the 8-1 decision. Justice Clarence Thomas filed that one lone dissent. But in essence, this establishes new guidelines that will govern similar requests in other prisons across the country. All right. Thank you, Will. And thanks as well to Grace White at KHOU for helping us cover this story. For more from her, you can head over to KHOU.com. Yeah, absolutely. And there's uh, extended interviews with Carl Bunchen on death row and also the family of James Irby uh, in Austin, Texas. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redman. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.